Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today on the show is Tim Abel. He is an event manager for the university. This is a conversation about leadership and what led him to create an end-of-life ministry. With his nonprofit, his goal is to teach others how to compassionately talk with those who are at the end of their lives. Enjoy this inspiring conversation with Tim Abel and Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, and hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, and I am excited to have the opportunity to talk about leadership and ministry with my friend Tim Abel, an event manager at Cedarville University. In 2005, Tim and his wife Tammy and their children, Hannah, Elijah, and Samuel, moved to Cedarville so Tim could complete his pastoral studies degree at Cedarville University. He previously served as a bivocational pastor for almost six years while also working at Cedarville as the assistant director of church relations. Tim has a heart and passion for end-of-life ministry, which you'll hear in this podcast. In fact, Tim is in the process of creating and developing a terminal illness ministry that will equip pastors and local congregations to more effectively minister those who are terminally ill. Tim began his college education at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and after three years at MBI, he transferred to Cedarville and earned a bachelor's degree in pastoral studies. He is currently pursuing a Master of Ministry degree from Cedarville, which he hopes to complete next summer. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's a joy to be here. So I know um, you have a lot of things on your plate. You know, you're you're a full-time father and dad. You have three three children. You're a full-time employee at Cedarville University. So, and you're a grad student. So, Correct. there's but not a lot of time for you to prepare your book and your training for Correct. pastors. But have you had conversations with pastors and ministry people about this? Oh, absolutely. Have conversations all the time with pastors and people in ministry, even those who are, who are impacted. A loved one has a disease. And so there's an opportunity to have those conversations all the time. It's, it's amazing how many times I'll have a conversation, just a random connection, meet somebody and start talking to them, and lo and behold, they have a connection with a terminal illness, mm-hmm. someone in their family, right. and they're just, they're just broken. Yeah. And what a tremendous opportunity to love on them and to just encourage them and help them to see the hope that they have in Christ. Yeah, when I, I want to step back and... Uh, when I think of um, the time that we've spent together, mm-hmm. uh, I've known you 11 years in different capacities. Uh, we work closer now than previously, but sure. uh, when, I, when I look back at Tim Abel, I see a man with a very sensitive heart for the gospel and for people. Where did that come from? It just being broken. You know, right. I, I used to be a very hard, um, driven kind of guy, and um, sometimes you have to learn life lessons the hard way. Yeah. And uh, that comes through brokenness, sometimes losing, losing everything before you get all that you really need. Mm-hmm. And so my life is, has – there's been a lot of brokenness in it in the past, and, and God has been exceedingly gracious mm-hmm. uh, to get me to this point. But, yeah, sometimes just life lessons, you learn things the hard way, and, you know, at that point you learn. The ultimate brokenness is not having a relationship with Jesus. That's so right. when and how did he – become real to you? You know, it's kind of a, a long story. It's happened over about a decade. Um, when I was 14, I had um, was going to a church, was raised in a, in a Lutheran church, 
And that Lutheran church was a, a Missouri Senate Lutheran church, which was more conservative. Um, but that church was undergoing a transition to, from a Missouri Senate to the very liberal uh, side of the house. Yeah. And so there was a church conflict, church split, if you will. And I didn't know Christ then, but I was very open to hearing because the pastor was just, oh, just love that man. But um, I, I got disillusioned at that point when I was 14. I saw people whom I loved who had grown up with fighting and arguing and I like, if this is what church, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I don't have any part of it. So yeah. I was just disillusioned with mere Christianity at that point. Um, ten years later, God had worked over ten years to bring people in my life, kind of break ground up. And each time they brought me, invited me to church, or wanted me to make a decision for Christ, I just cut them off and walked away from them, mm -hmm. and even God. And uh, some life lessons, you know, brokenness and lo mm -hmm. losing everything. And, and finally, I ended up going to visit a church that uh, a dear friend, a Christian man of God, had been working with me. And I went into a huge church, a large church, and uh, several thousand people. I went in to the college and career class. Just, it was a divine appointment. I woke up that morning. It was just in me to go. And I go in and, and hear this pastor speaking on the Beatitudes that morning. Mm. And... Uh, invited me over to his house later that week, and there was a, a small group Bible study there. And he'd been in that role for about a year, uh, he and his wife, and he had a four-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And I go over there, and I walk into his house, his room, with all, this, all the other college and career students, and my guard was up. You know, I'd been hurt in the past. I'd been yeah. hurt by people and disappointed, and I didn't want to become a, someone's notch in their spiritual gum belt. Right. And so my guard was up, and I didn't trust anybody. And uh, their four-year-old and three-year-old kids, we just clicked. And we were literally rolling around the floor, wrestling and having fun. And and their mom, their kids were so close to mom and dad that the, the other students that had been there for a year they would have literally very little to do with them. And the first time I walk in, we're just rolling around the floor. And we finally ended up, I was sitting in a rocking chair and, and had each one of them on my lap. Yeah. And the four-year-old boy uh, gets up and turns around and says, hey, Tim, I, I love you. I'm like, oh, I love you too. And then a little bit later, the three-year-old girl, she gets up and says, I love you. And I pat her on and Well, thank you so much. I love you too. And she stopped took three steps, turned around, came back, climbed on my lap, mm. put both her hands on my cheeks, looked me square in the <laughs> eye and says, Jesus loves you. Oh, my goodness. And, and I had built a wall around my heart to protect me from being hurt. And God used that perfect little innocent girl wow. to tell me that Jesus loved me. And God used her to poke a hole through the, the wall that I thought was protecting me but was ultimately letting me rot away from the inside. It was harming you. Yeah, it was harming me. And uh, so I had a very sleepless night, and I met her father at the church the following morning, and he led me to the Lord. And oh, I accepted nice. Christ as my Lord and Savior that morning. How old were you then? I was 24. So I'd been around the world, lived in a, a foreign country for a year while I was in the service, lived in probably about seven or eight other states as part of being a service member. And I've just been around, seen a lot of things, and had been hurt and held on to that hurt. And, and But man, when God used that little girl to, to poke a hole in my heart and to let his light enter my life, it was just transforming. Yeah. Now, uh, as I said in the introduction, that you're the father of, th of three. Mm -hmm. So with that story in your mind, 
were, have you been able to or were you able to you know take that those lessons from that three-year-old and a four-year-old to help train your your children sure yeah it, the one word we we talked about with the kids when they were little was consequences yeah. when they make decisions they have good or bad consequences and we've just tried to encourage them to make good decisions that bear good consequences and part of that is is knowing christ part of that is just making those decisions to to press into christ to know him and to to live according to his word and to and to just drive into their lives the importance of knowing him so um yeah so i want to stay with your family but i want to remind you i want to talk about leadership because uh, sure. uh this this is something really important to you as well but mm-hmm. um before we started recording um we were talking about hannah one of your one of your My children oldest, yep. your oldest child uh who is now legally blind Correct. Walk us through that journey that you and Tammy were dealing with, because she wasn't born legally blind. No. What led up to this, and how did you deal with that? So she was about two or three years old, and she had a, kind of a cross eye, and so the doctors started having her patch, which is pretty common nowadays. Right. They use a patch for several hours a day to help get the eye muscles to be where they need to be. And they, they, she did patching for probably four or five years, at which point they did a surgery then to, they cut all the muscles around her eyes and aligned her eyes properly and sewed them together. She had a subsequent follow-up surgery. But she was doing well. At that point, she, had, she was one line away from having 20-20 vision. What does that mean, one line away? She was like 20, 25, 23. Okay. So if she was just super close to not having to wear glasses anymore yeah. and just being completely normal vision wise and i happened to be at that last appointment we'd gone to appointments so many times it was just routine yeah and i'm sitting there in the appointment that we're going to be 2020 is the end and uh what's going to happen at the end of this appointment the doctor's going to tell me and then i started noticing that they were doing things differently than they'd ever done before hmm. and uh, you could see a concerned look on the doctor's face and finally yeah. he sat me down and said there's there's a new problem and uh, so a week later, we were at a retina specialist, and then we got the diagnosis of Stargardt's disease, which is a form of macular degeneration. Okay. And so basically, Stargardt's disease, best way I describe it, have you ever seen an old barn in the country that used to be red, where the kind of the paint is flaked off over right. the years? There's a, there's a very thin film that goes over the retina. Okay. And as parts of that uh, retina are are impacted negatively by this Stargardt's disease. It erodes the central vision. So basically, you're not able to see uh, using your central vision. So you have peripheral vision, but it's very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the span of three weeks, when she was nine years old, she went from being literally almost 20-20 to being legally blind. And um, that was a humbling moment. That was a really difficult time. But as a father... I learned real quick that the most important thing here wasn't that my baby girl could see my face. It was that she could see her Lord and Savior's face. And that was just so beautiful of of a lesson to learn, that it didn't matter whether she could see me as as her dad. All that really mattered 
for me as her father was that she was able to see her heavenly father and she does and she god has been so gracious um to us and to her through this time and man she is just she's just on fire for the lord and doing great and uh god's been gracious and she's not letting this handicap slow no. her down she's what what year at cedarville she's just finishing her sophomore year okay, so she's a sophomore and she's involved in some kind of ministry she's involved in a variety of things yeah, yeah. she's a social work major involved in social work programs she's going to be the new president of the social work org coming this fall and uh, she's just involved in a, a variety of things she's She's super social, and she's out there and, and just loving life and has a great group of friends. She's been blessed with a, a great group of friends from a young age that they've stayed together, and it's just she's she's been so blessed by God. So how have you and Tammy, from a spiritual perspective, dealt with the low of thinking it was going to be 2020 and now it's legally blind to seeing – Hannah thriving at Cedarville University. Well, when you trust, when you really trust, there are moments that your your trust is challenged. And in, in that early moment, I remember when we called our parents, I started telling them, and I just broke down crying. Yeah. I had to pass the phone off to Tammy, which it, it usually takes quite a bit for me to get to that point, and it just broke me down because it's my baby girl. I'm, yeah. I'm her dad. I can't protect her. There's nothing, nothing right. I can do. But ultimately, God's grace, her presence. I mean, yeah, she she's legally blind, but that doesn't stop her. No, God is is more than able to help her overcome that in unique ways, so that He can be honored and glorified in and through her life. This is kind of maybe a, an off the wall question, but do you feel like because of her situation? And I realize this is a podcast about you, but sure. I'm, I'm inter- interested in Hannah right now. Do you feel like maybe? Cedarville was the right place for her to go to school compared to maybe even another another secular or Christian college. Absolutely, we actually wanted uh, we actually took our our kids to to Moody Bible Institute yeah. and uh, and entertained them and encouraged them to look around because we just didn't want them to come here just because we were here. Um, and they all decided that Cedarville was the place for them. Okay. And so we wanted to make sure that they had that choice that they had that option. Yeah. And the benefit of being here at Cedarville has just been. This is a special place. We all know that. Right. And God has been so good and gracious to Cedarville University and, and the Cedarville family. Right. It's just a special place, and this is where he led them to be, and we're thankful for that. You, you have a great story, and you have a great heart, and, and I can see it. You know, I know Tammy, and I don't know your children as well, but I've seen them around, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it all fits. You guys have a special uh, bond with each other, and uh, you all are serving the Lord, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I want to transition a little bit because a few weeks ago we were talking about different things, and I learned that uh, you really have a um, an interest in in leadership. Mm-hmm. I don't know where your definition of leadership comes from, or but what is for you? If you if someone was to ask you, you know, what does leadership mean to Tim Abel? How would you answer that question? So if we were in my office, you'd see on my bookshelf I have a picture of a of a father kneeling down, uh, and he's kneeling down to tie his son's, a toddler's son's shirt who's sitting on, at the bottom of a set of stairs. And I have a quote on there that says, a man is not loved for how tall he stands, but for how often he bends mm. to help, comfort, and teach. Yeah. To me, that's leadership. It, it's not, we, have, we can turn the TV on and see people standing tall on either side of the aisle right. and just 
leading people the wrong way, saying a lot of things, but not really making any connections. Right. You know, and, and as leaders, as men and women who are who have who know Jesus Christ, we're called to to bend down to help, comfort, and teach and make personal connections with people. And and you know, that's Psalm twenty five when you when you have that vertical focus to you, O Lord. You know, your focus is on the Lord, and you read Psalm 25, it says, show me your ways, teach me your ways, instruct me. A leader, first and foremost, is a follower of Christ right. who is teachable. And if, if he or she is a leader and who is teachable, who is first and foremost, recognizes that they're a follower of Christ and they need to keep that upward focus, then being down on bending knee yeah. is a normal position for them. Right. You know, it's not about standing tall in your own strength, in your own right, in your own wisdom. It's about being down, bended down yeah. in prayer, studying God's Word, yeah. and making those personal connections. So you've learned a lot uh, in your faith journey in just 20 years or so. I, I don't know how old you are, but I would s- suspect if you accepted Christ at around 24, it's been about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, 23 years. Yeah. Okay. Can you share maybe a story that from those years that has cemented your thoughts on leadership? Does something come to mind? You know, there's been uh, I've had the opportunity uh, to serve God as as a leader in four different positions uh, over the years, and um, you know, the thing I always remind myself of is when you're a leader, sometimes naturally. You want to do, you kind of want to stand tall, or I've done this, I've done that. And it's it's not about what I've done, it's about what God's doing in and through me. And just keeping that proper focus, that proper right. perspective, that, that God is working through me, His servant, to impact and to share His transforming power and His good news to those around me. You know, and that's that's leadership to me. That's yeah. that's just what it's about. You know, we have way too many people who want to stand tall in their own strength and their own right, and they get broken down. They lead people astray. It's just a it's humbling. It's a humbling thing to be a leader. But as a leader, you first and foremost have, have always got to remember that you are first and foremost a servant who happens to be in a leadership position, who can be used by God to bring honor and glory to Him and to equip others, to encourage others, to teach others, to help build others up, to edify them, and to just see His transforming power unfurled in whatever organization you're in. And that's just a beautiful thing to behold. So to be a servant leader, maybe one of the key characteristics I'm interested in your opinion is has to be humility. Sure, absolutely. Because, you know, without... I mean, if you think you're great on your own, in your own power, then how can you be a servant? You can. You certainly humility is is, is an important aspect. I mean, I, we can stand tall in Christ. Right. right. We can stand resolute according to the truths of His Word. You know, humility is not you know weakness. Right. But he, there is strength in humility because of who we are in Christ. We recognize our role, our position, as as Christ's followers first and foremost, who are rooted in God's Word, who are continually down on our knees in prayer, seeking for His guidance and uh, leading in our lives. Yeah, I, I, my mind goes back to my years at Geneva College. I worked mm-hmm. there uh, nine years. I received a master's degree in, in organizational leadership from Cedar, or from Geneva. I remember uh, during some of my time in public relations at that school, you know, some things happened that I was working on 
at the at that time, that's twenty plus years ago. I'm thinking, man, I did a good job on that, <laughs> and and I thought it was all something that I had done. I mean, this is confession time for me, but I, you know, it didn't take me long thereafter to realize it was all the Lord absolutely who, who orchestrated everything, and He just allowed me to be part of it to use me for whatever He had in mind. When you're in a leadership position, there's there's a lot of pressure involved sometimes. Yeah. And that pressure should drive you closer to the Lord. Yeah. And when when that happens, He gives you the strength, the focus, and whatever you need to not only sustain in that pressure, be sustained in that pressure, but to thrive. Because the greater the pressure is, the closer you press into Him. Yeah. You're not separated by that pressure. You're not separated from Him. You're... you're your focus isn't compromised. No, no. Let's continue in the leadership topic. But uh, I want to go back to uh, what really generated the idea that this would be you would be a good podcast guest. Is uh, again several weeks ago, um, you told me of some experiences that uh, you had as a doorman um, at an exclusive property along Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago. Uh, that, at that point, you were a student at Moody Bible Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us about the job and how did the job, which you said I think was the best job you've ever had. Absolutely. It how, is, did it, how did it teach you leadership and valuing people? So when I was there, like a normal college student, you know, I want to grow up and I want to be somebody. I wanted to do something big. And um, there were times that you'd have people come in, the residents, who I'll talk more about in a moment, they were just like, oh, you're just a servant. You're nobody to me. Uh, some of the residents uh, were now, when you excuse me when you say residents so for our audience describe what where you were working in so at the time I worked for the most exclusive condominium association in downtown Chicago uh, the residents were billionaires people's were people worth hundreds of millions of dollars celebrities yep. um, so I mean very exclusive uh, group of individuals and uh, there were a lot of people there that, because you were a servant, I certainly opened and closed doors, going in and out of the building, uh, car doors and things of that nature. If they needed small jobs done around their house or things taken out, trash taken out or something, you know, we did a little bit of everything. We were there to serve. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. But sometimes I would find myself early on, it's like, well, they should respect me. I'm serving right. them, you know. And they didn't respect me. They didn't really necessarily even right. care about me. Right. And, and God used that to help me see that you know, a leader, if they're focused on God, on Jesus through Jesus Christ, then it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks or doesn't think. If you're, you're serving, you're doing your job to the best of your ability to honor and glorify God. Right. That's who you're ultimately serving. Right. And people, it was so, it was so exciting for me to, to grasp that lesson because I was, we were actually studying leadership at, at, in one of my classes at the time. I was struggling to try to grasp it. And God used a very practical uh, illustration from my job to just help me see the importance of leaders, servants, if you will, are, are people who love and, and, yeah. and know Jesus Christ, and they serve others because they are ultimately serving Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, and, that's, and that's something that just really was cemented in my time there at, as a doorman, and, and I loved it. And it's really been a precursor for what's happened, how God has used me through the rest of my life yeah. since then. How long were you in that position? So I was a doorman for three years. Who did you meet? <laughs> I've met a lot of people. Um, Give me some names. Come on. 
So uh, one of the rules of being a servant is <laughs> a good servant knows how to keep his or her mouth shut. That's right. Uh, because there's a lot of things that you see in here around you just because of the proximity you're in. But uh, certainly uh, there were a lot of billionaires there, several in the top 30. Right. Uh, at the time, Forbes, richest uh, list in the world, they were there. Uh, a lot of celebrities. I met Michael Jordan. I've met Walter Payton, uh, Denzel. I uh, met him. Uh, cool, All cool guys. Super, super cool guys. Julie. You had some fun stories. Oh, yeah. I, I had a lot of interactions with people that we'd never have any other interactions Mayor with. Mayor Daly, right? Mayor Daly, Steven Seagal, Julia Roberts, um, Metallica. The whole band came in one night and... They were just hilarious <laughs> to talk to. A uh, lot, of, lot of really interesting people, but had a really good interaction with Mayor Daly. He was uh, upstairs. Uh, there was a party being hosted for presidential election, and there was a current uh, sit-in vice president up there at the time. Which one? Uh, 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 vice President Gore. Okay. And so he uh, came in to go to the party and attend that. It was a fundraiser, and uh, he came down with his security guard and uh, said hi, and he started to walk out, he stopped and turned around, and he came back, and he spent literally five, ten minutes just talking to me, just asking me questions. Just, he didn't have to do that, but he really, you know, he bent down, if you will, right. and and was wanting to know about me and learn about me and just get to know me. And he was very sincere in his time, and you can tell when you serve somebody yeah. as a servant. The other doorman, a lot of the other doormen would start out, and they'd serve you, but they'd also have their hand out. Right. But when you serve somebody just for the joy of serving them because you know you're serving Christ, it, it completely changes the equation. It really does. I, I remember I was up in the – I'd take people upstairs with their luggage if they came back sometimes, and I'd push the button, and then as a servant, you know, as a doorman, I – my role was to quietly stand there and make sure they got on and off the elevator and take the luggage down. And there were times on the elevator that people who were worth hundreds of millions of dollars and even billions would turn to me and go, why are you so happy? There you go. You're always so happy. Why are you so happy? Well, I have 60-some stories on the way up to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and what a wonderful opportunity to do so. And God is so good in those moments. And, and to see them then follow up ride after ride and hear about them and get to know them, you don't have those opportunities unless you're willing to bend down to, to comfort and to teach and to just connect with people. And those people who most people would say are untouchable, you know, are unapproachable. Yeah. They probably really um, connected with you in a deeper way, right? Yeah. They walk around feeling like they have an X on their back. People want to know them because they have money. You know, they they want money. They want resources. They want fame from. They they want a connection with them because they want something. Right. And to just know that you can talk to somebody or, or know them, you have no agenda. You don't want anything from them. You're just there to serve them, yeah. because ultimately you're serving Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I have to. You know, this is a Cedarville Stories podcast. We talk about Cedarville stories, but. You have to have a Michael Jordan story that you can share. <laughs> Michael Jordan pulled up in his Ferrari right out front of the, the residence where I was at, and he parked his car there. And that, that was a common thing. You'd have people pull up and park. And you're right off of, we're right off of Michigan Avenue. Right. And he's just the coolest guy ever to talk to. He came, and I started talking to him. We talked for a minute or two. But he, he took the time, to, again, just to talk, yeah. just to connect. 
And, you know, that really was Michael Jordan, the basketball player, too. He knew all of his teammates. He poured into their lives. He called them up and wanted to challenge them. He wanted them to grow, and he got to know them. Right. And he, he was no different in person than he was on the, on the basketball court. Just a really good guy. He'd often come, uh, he'd go do shoot so his uh, suit shop and uh, buy clothes at some of the fine clothier stores in the area, and they'd shut the whole store down just for him to come in and get whatever he wanted. Yeah. So a lot of, lot of cool stories, a lot of cool connections there. Yeah, that's neat. Thanks for sharing. Uh, mm -hmm. I know as a doorman, you're probably not supposed to share all these stories, but uh, thanks for uh, letting our audience hear a little yeah. bit of your, your journey. So uh, I want to fast forward. I only have time for a couple more questions. Sure. Um, how have you been able to use these lessons, whether it's as a doorman, uh, dealing with the difficulty with Hannah, whatever it is, uh, to... Um, Incorporate those in your in your role at Cedarville University. It's about serving others. It's about equipping others to succeed. You know, as an event manager, I have the opportunity to serve the Cedarville family um, in, in a variety of ways. As an event manager, be it a student event, a staff or faculty event, you know, it's it's a tremendous thing to see to be able to come and help set somebody else else up for success in whatever their event is so that they can accomplish their plans and purposes and goals in that event and to know that the audience that they seek to serve is served well yeah you know and and it's just about being happy to be behind the scenes to encourage others to have have that moment that they want to create with their audience and have that moment go so well that they are blessed and encouraged, as are those in the audience that they want, because that's what they want. Yeah. If they want to have an event, their event has has an end goal, and we, it's my opportunity, it's my privilege to serve them, to help others accomplish those moments. Well, I thank you for what you do. Uh, you're a consummate servant, and you're currently serving me for an event that I'm going to put together <laughs> that's right. uh, in a week it's or so. It's going to be awesome, too. Well, thanks to your leadership. Um, let me ask you one final question. At the core of this podcast, uh, our purpose is to tell Cedarville stories for God's glory. So with that in mind, how do you hope or believe that you are bringing God glory through all that you do as a leader here on campus, as a father, as a husband? Yeah, I, I just want to serve him in whatever capacity he's called me to serve, certainly as a husband. As a father, those are my primary columns. And then also have the opportunity to serve him here uh, and ultimately down the, down the line to be able to serve those who have a terminal diagnosis. Yep. And um, it's all about serving him. It's all about pointing others to him and just serving well so that others can grow in their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's uh, great stuff. And I want to thank you for um, really just being who you are. You've, you've been consistent. The 11 years that I've known you, you've been consistent every day that I've seen you and you're a joy to be with even though you know we we have some differences of opinion and in, in sports teams but we don't need to get into that today and we can pray for you Mark yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah my football team could use it but uh, Tim uh, you're a delight and I just want to thank you for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and uh, God be your glory that's right Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory. Mm -hmm.